Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. By asking a question, the first word of which should begin with a certain letter, a particular thing should be indicated. And all that would be needed was that the performers should be perfectly conversant with the system. The company quickly saw the truth of what I was saying, and for the time, at any rate, Mr. Voltaire's marvelous knowledge was held at a discount. But does Mr. Blake mean to insinuate that Mr. Kaffar and myself have learnt such a code as this? said Voltaire at length. I insinuate nothing, I replied. I am simply showing how your performance can be done by those possessing no knowledge of the occult sciences. But does Mr. Blake decline to believe that we know nothing of the mysterious, that we have not dived into subjects of which the ordinary mind can know nothing, said Kaffar? Pardon me, I replied, but I decline to answer. I have not volunteered any opinion either as to Mr. Voltaire's story or your performance. I was asked my opinion, and I gave it. I watched Mr. Voltaire's face as I spoke. He seemed to be pondering some matter in his mind, and he appeared irresolute as to what action he should take. At length a strange light shot from his eyes, and he raised his head and spoke. "'Ladies and gentlemen,' he said, "'evidently Mr. Blake, with his hard English common sense, has raised some amount of doubt in your minds as to the validity of my story and of our performance.' I am sure you will allow me to vindicate and prove any assertion I have made. If I have claimed a knowledge of the mysterious, I have not done so without reason. We believe that is true, said Miss Staggles. We believe you are a wonderful man. Thank you, said Voltaire. I am sure I have Miss Staggles' sympathies, but will someone assist me in what I am about to do? I will allow no possibility of a system in this, and consequently I shall be glad if any gentleman will help me in the manifestation of the hidden powers of the human mind. Perhaps, turning, I thought eagerly to me, Mr. Blake will be the one. No, I said, I prefer to be a spectator. I could no longer mistake the hate that flashed from his eyes, but he said nothing and waited quietly for a volunteer. No one was forthcoming. At length Tom Temple said, Would one of the servants do, Voltaire? I would rather have a visitor, said Voltaire, and for two reasons. First, you could not then have any reason for suspecting a collusion, and second, the ordinary English servant is extremely unsusceptible to the play of higher powers. If, however, none of you will volunteer, I can see no other alternative. 
Accordingly, a man about my own age was brought in and introduced as Simon Slowden. I saw that he was no ordinary character as soon as he entered, and was by no means one who could be easily imposed upon. I afterwards found that Simon had spent his boyhood in London, had, when a youth, joined a traveling circus, and tramped the country for a few years. He had also traveled with several shows, two or three traveling theaters, and had finally settled down with a lame leg at Temple Hall, where he made himself generally useful. His dialect was a mixture of the Cockney and a dozen others equally bad, until it was almost impossible to tell from that source the part of the country from which he hailed. He was, however, a good-hearted fellow, and for a wonder, considering his history, as honest as the day. "'Now, Simon,' said Tom Temple, "'this gentleman is a scientist and wants to show some experiments, and he can't get anyone to assist him, so I thought I'd ask you.' "'Well,' said Simon, "'I don't know as I think Mitch on these science gents. They're always a bringin' in some new fangled thing or other, but generally there's naught in em. Still, to oblige the company, I'll do out reasonable. I'm tough as a crocodile's tongue, and can stand a goodish bit of jingo and nonsense. Here goes, Yana. Voltaire eyed him doubtfully, and Simon coolly returned the stare. "'You're not a-going to waxinate me, be you?' said Simon at length. "'No. Why? Cause I can't stand that tough as I be. I live with a doctor once, and he said to me, "'Simon, I want to experiment on you,' says he. "'I'm tough enough,' says I. "'I want to waxinate you against cholera, whooping cough, and smallpox,' says he. "'What's that? Give to me,' says I. "'No,' says he. But to prevent you from a heaven em. That's your sort, says I. Well, gentlemen, he waxinated me, and I said to him, Never no more, your honor. Why? asked I. Cause I rather have cholera, whooping cough, and smallpox all together than be waxinated. Just like women, you never know where they'll break out. Will you kindly sit down, said Voltaire, while I go to my room for a book? While he was gone, I went to Simon and spoke to him, and that gentleman got very communicative. "'I'm not over much in love with that chap,' says he. "'And sure as I'm right down, Cockney, he hates you like pison. Give him a wide berth, yonner, and don't have nothing to do with him.' "'Oh,' I replied, "'he can't hurt me. Don't know, your honor. You and he's got your peepers fixed in the same place. And excuse me, but if you give him a chance, he'll beat you. He'd charm a serpent with these peepers of his'n. Aren't you afraid yourself, then? He can't hurt me, for I'm too tough. I'm non signed for anybody. I ain't, and I ain't a got a good-looking jib, and— But here Voltaire entered the room and spoke to Tom Temple. Simon said Tom, a second after, What color are the chestnut mare's eyes? Simon heaved himself, struggled, looked vacant, and said dreamily, They're like women and waxination, you—you— you but a film came over his eyes, and he was unconscious. Again there was deathly silence in the room, and all eyes were turned toward Voltaire, who had walked close to Simon Slowden. "'The man is not very susceptible,' said Voltaire. "'Consequently, I cannot do so much with him as I should, had he been more highly organized, but I can at least convince skeptics. You will see,' he went on, "'that I have not touched him.' and yet he is no longer conscious. I will now ask him any question concerning either the dead or the living that you may be inclined to ask. I will ask a test question, said Gertrude Forrest, 
What are the servants doing at this time? The cooks examinin' a goose, was the reply, and the housemaids talkin' with a chap as it just come from to village. He went on telling what the rest were doing, but Tom Temple immediately sent to the kitchen and found that things were as was described. Where's Dr. Sharp? said Mrs. Temple, adding that they could easily find out the doctor's present whereabouts the next day. He's coming up here with his long-nosed pointer, was the reply, and will be here in a jiffy. Five minutes after, Dr. Sharp came into the room. I did not know I could come until half an hour ago, he said, as he entered, and then stared as he saw how matters stood. Will you tell me, said Miss Forrest, what my aunt is doing just now? She mentioned no name, and I do not know how the man sitting in the chair could know anything about her. She is just gwine to bed, he said. She's a bit of a cold in her chest, and housekeeper's gwine to take some warming stuff to her. I'll know if this is true tomorrow, said Miss Forrest, and then relapsed into a silence. Meanwhile, question after question was asked and answered, while Voltaire and Kaffar stood side by side, each with a terrible glitter in his eyes. Under some secret influence, Simon Slowden was led to the piano, and there executed some of the latest and most difficult pieces of music and without hesitation told things that were at least marvellous. Then, when excitement was at its highest, he woke up and coolly rubbed his eyes. No one uttered a word. We were all too much amazed. At last Voltaire, with a sidelong glance at me, asked whether we were convinced, and one by one the members of the party expressed their wonder and astonishment. I, however, was silent some power of obstinacy still seemed to possess me i would not tamely admit his victory after i had openly defeated him before still i did not speak a word is mr blake convinced said miss staggles leering towards me of what i asked of mr voltaire's power undoubtedly come said kaffar mr blake is still a skeptic i think it fair that he should consent to test this for himself. Certainly not, I replied. But I think it is our right, said Voltaire. You have expressed your want of faith in our power. Now, if you have the courage of a man with an opinion, test the matter. Sit here as Simon did, and see whether you are right. I thought I heard a voice saying, Don't, close to my ear, and I hesitated. At this there was a twitter among the young ladies. Evidently our Thomas is afraid, said Miss Staggles. There was an ugly look in her eyes as she said this, but the titter increased into a kind of derisive laugh. I know it was an evidence of my cowardice, but I could not withstand their laughter. I forgot the warning voice behind me. I refused to take notice of Mrs. Temple's warning glance. I rose up, went to the chair in the middle of the room, and defiantly said, There! Do all you can with me. Voltaire and Kaffar came up to me, while the rest crowded around. The former fixed his terrible eye upon me as he would peer into my very soul. A strange feeling began to creep over me, but I struggled against it with all my strength, and for a minute I seemed to gain the mastery. I laughed in his face as if I scorned his boasted strength. 
A strange gleam was emitted from his light gray eyes while his lips became ashly pale. Then I saw him grip Gaffar's hand. Instantly the room was peopled with a strange crowd. Dark forms seemed to come from Voltaire's eyes. Peculiar influences were all around me. The faces of the two men became dimmer and dimmer. The people appeared to float in mid-air, and I with them. Then something heavy seemed to move away. I thought I heard strange creeping noises, like that of an adder crawling amidst thick, dry grass, and then all was blank. End of chapter 5